welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. This week's episode is with Zim Flores. Zim and I got to have the best conversation about seasons, how they all look different. They can be ones of hardship or abundance or struggle, and how they all have a purpose because in the end, growth demands change. We talked about surrendering our desired outcomes and moving forward from broken friendships and finding comfort in our darkest hours. I got so much encouragement from this conversation with Zim, and I hope that you find the same. Zim, hey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you have a book coming out in December, Dare to Bloom, Trusting God Through Painful Endings and New Beginnings. And if I had to guess, you did not write this intentionally for 2020. No, so, no. <laughs> is it? It's yeah. just accidentally the most perfect book for this year. Just totally a God thing, to be honest. So before we jump into talking about your book, tell us just a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what your story is. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. So I am a total unconventional story. So my parents grew up in Nigeria. My mom was in an arranged marriage with my father, moved over here to the U.S., had my brother and I, and then one day found my father's hidden gun. And so she kind of escaped and we landed up in California for a little bit before we headed back and started our brand new life in Minnesota. And so there I was a curious kid. I was always getting into something new and that kind of served as the impetus for just the way that I kind of thought and experienced the world. And so I moved to North Carolina when I was eight or nine years old and was just like this kid that was always kind of in of in and out of circles and, and really found a way to connect with people in different groups. I was kind of like the transient kid. Mm-hmm. Went off to college. I cloned a gene when I was 19 years old. I was the youngest precinct judge for the state of North Carolina. I did all of these unconventional things And then at the end of my college years, I was a fifth year. I was like a super senior, basically. (laughs) I sold everything that I owned and I moved to India. And so I spent quite a bit of time there, learned Hindi, was working and got the idea for my first company. So fast forward, traveled throughout Southeast Asia, spent all my money traveling, wound up back in my mom's home, broke, didn't have any money. And I had this idea of serving this very niche community of Black travelers. So I started Travel Noir in 2013, ended up growing that to reaching about 2 million travelers each month. And things were going super well. They were like going well, well, well. And then one day I felt God tell me to give it up. Mm. So here's this business that I built over four years. And it was literally my everything. It was what I had tied my entire identity to. And 
there, there was this like overwhelming feeling of this is the thing that you need to give up. And I thought a lot about success in the Bible and how success looks like sacrifice. Mm. So I knew that if I sacrificed unto God, he would bless me in whatever way he saw fit. So I sold the company in 2017 and I stayed on with our acquiring team for 18 months. And it was the hardest. It was just a challenging experience as it related to my identity and who I thought I was. Uh, And I rooted a lot of my identity in this business, in my success, in the things that I had done and my accolades, but I didn't root my identity in God. So when those things were removed out of the picture, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, who am I? What am I like? What am I here for? What am I doing? And so I I often tell people that there has not been like a singular path for me. I I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to like walk these steps and do these things but it never ended up being that way. And, and I'm thankful that I was able to use all of these gifts that I feel like the Lord has given me to just do all of these different things. So yeah, that's a little bit of my story, a little, a little snippet. Yeah. I love that you totally casually are like, I mean, when I was 19, I like, you know, cloned a gene and I was a judge. It's like, that's just icing on the cake. It's not a big deal, but it is a very unconventional that would be unconventional in its own right, but then your heritage and your upbringing and where you went from there. But while unconventional, it is also your story is one that people would want to have because it's one of success and yeah. one of achievement outside looking. Well, I mean, it was point blank achievement, but outside looking in would be everything that somebody wants. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, I guess, sure. <laughs> but, but, it's, but then but then ending up in a place where God's asking you to let go of that. Yeah. And, and I love that you're really honest about the fact that it sucked. Oh, it sucked. God. I love that you're not it like, God sucked. asked me to let go of it and I just did it and it was really beautiful. You're like, no, it was horrible. No. It was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst. Because it was, I mean, it was the ending just like yeah. the subtitle of your book it was the end of something that you had not only it would have i feel like it would have been a difficult ending just it being something that you had built from the ground up and and poured yourself into but then just that additional part of your identity being really staked in it absolutely it it made it all the more difficult to make a clean cut it's just so messy and it reminds me of how often, like, even if you think about like our own careers or where we grew up or where we live now or our friend groups, there's no way to make a clean cut, mm-hmm. right? It's like always, there's like this lingering thing that you have to deal with when you are starting over in whatever way that may be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of us are starting over in some form or fashion 2020. right now. I think always, but yeah, in 2020, we're all navigating losing things and things ending and just completely unexpected seasons. And so it was yeah. really difficult, but I honed down to two kind of areas of change in your book that I want to talk about, if that's okay. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. So the first one is seasons and you write in Dare to Bloom that God has a purpose for every season, which I think a lot of us know, but sometimes don't function out of, right? The highs, we can believe, oh, God has a purpose for the season, but then the bottom falls out and we're all looking around. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go? Yeah. 
And so you talk about a difference between all weather purpose and seasonal purpose. I want you to tell us about that. So when you think about like your entire life and you think about what you're put on this earth to do, I like to think about that as an all weather purpose. It's something that is the grand picture. Mm -hmm. But then within that, you have what I like to call seasonal purposes, which are these like smaller, like mini purposes, I guess you would say, um, that lead up to this big all weather purpose. And the scripture that I kind of reference and the gentleman that I talk about in this chapter is Jeremiah. So God tells Jeremiah that he has set him over nations and over kingdoms. And then he goes on to say a few other things that he does over his lifetime. Mm -hmm. So he plucks up, he breaks down, he destroys, and he overthrows, he builds, and he plants. Wait, can I just tell you really quick that that's like the verse that God gave me for ministry i'm kind of like full body chilling right now that's what you're pulling continue (laughs) so here you have this man jeremiah who is given this mission this like life mission you're gonna do this big thing but then you have all of these smaller seasonal purposes he could not pluck up and build at the same time, Uh right? There had to be certain seasons for certain things. And there were going to be seasons where people didn't like him at all because he was uprooting things. He was removing people. He was doing all of the things that the Lord told him to do, right? But then there are other times in his life where he's building up, where he is planting that people are like, yeah, 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 Jeremiah, go Jeremiah. And you think about your entire life in the grand scheme of things, we all have different seasons of our lives that mean different things. Mm -hmm. And the more that we're able to understand that, and the more that we're able to honor that, I think the easier that it becomes. Well, and I think that viewing things this way would make it easier. Yeah. You know, I think first approached with the idea of there being kind of multifaceted or or multiple types of purpose could be daunting. But when you look at it this way, it actually kind of almost breaks it down into more bite-sizable purpose chunks. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I don't have to be performing every single one of the callings I feel like God has put on my life at all times because every season isn't going to be exactly like you said every you can't be uprooting and planting at the same exact time you can't it's impossible but it makes the bigger picture that much more beautiful mm-hmm. like how beautiful would it be if we sit back when we're 80 years old lord willing and we look back on our lives and we're like wow i see this big picture that god mm-hmm. had for me and in every season of my life i like to chipped away towards this big mission, but there were some seasons where I lost people. There were Mm. some seasons where I was successful, that I was doing all that God, you know, had planned for me to do in that season. And there's another season where I lost it all, or there's another Mm -hmm. season where I did X, Y, and Z, and it all builds up to this bigger picture. The more that we grab hold of that truth and grab hold of that reminder the easier it is for us to look at the bigger picture. When things go wrong, all you got to say is this is a part of my seasonal purpose. It's going to be over. 
And I'm going to move on to the next part of this chapter that God has for me. Yeah. I am an analogy nerd. People who listen to the show regularly know that. And God has been giving me or using this analogy in my life lately that is exactly what we're talking about, but it's a dominoes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think so often we're so, to use another analogy, we're so deep in the forest, you can't see the trees that we don't see the dominoes falling as they're falling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we can look back and see. And put all the puzzles, the pieces together. Oh, this domino knocked this one down. Yeah. But that there's beauty and maturity, I think, in being able to see this is a domino. God knocked this domino over and this domino may suck or it may be Mm -hmm. really cool. But it's not, it's going to knock over another one. And then that one's going to knock over another one. And that's believing that God is sovereign over all of the seasons. Absolutely. The big ones and the, this is just a seasonal Mm -hmm. season, right? Absolutely. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It it is like a domino and it is like, uh, for the analogy that you use that nobody can ever remember. But when you say it, we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that one. Um, (laughs) I know I always stumble over it. I'm like, you know, the one one? with the forest and the trees. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. So can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. That's it. There it is. And so it is, it's this thing where when you're so close to it and you're living it out and you're walking day by day, you don't see the grand picture. You don't see the grand vision, but it's always like, it always ends up being this like hindsight thing. Where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. when else would I have learned that thing had not this thing happened? To right, me, right. And so I think that that is exactly. that is also something that's that's worth mentioning as well. I love that analogy. Well, and another thing that comes to mind thinking about seasons and purpose is the the mundane. Mm-hmm. Mundane gets such a bad rap. Yeah, but I can all. I mean, I'm thirty, almost thirty two. I have two young kids. There's plenty of mundane yeah. to be found. Oh, yeah. But I've already, even just my my oldest is six. I can already see the impact that the mundane has had on who she is. Right. Like brick by brick, right? Right. So would not more the mundane, even equally so, the mundane moments of my life would not my father be using those to shape who I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love and, that. And using, funneling those towards my purpose. Yeah. Right. They're not just mundane throwaways. Right. Absolutely. I mean, even if you think about Joseph, when Joseph was in jail, mm-hmm. they, in when he was in jail, I'm sure, I mean, maybe things were happening every day, but like things weren't popping off like that. So right. he had, he spent all this time behind bars. Obviously he had a lot of favor. God granted him a lot of favor while he was in bondage. But there were a lot of those mundane days, days that probably Mm -hmm. looked the same, but it is Mm -hmm. that mundane or the mundaneness or even sticking through the mundaneness where I think God is like, okay, I can trust Mm -hmm. you. You're not looking for the next Mm -hmm. shiny object. You're like carrying on the day to day, trusting that I've got your back. Yes. You're working as unto me and you're not saying, God, how long am I going to be here? God, can you take me out of this like scenario? I need to be elevated. You're saying, okay, God, this is where you have me at the moment. I'm going to continue to walk. I'm going Mm -hmm. to continue to talk and I'm going to continue 
to work as unto you so that you know that I can be trusted in these mundane moments. And you used, you use the analogy of bricks that I think if we could see those moments, like I love that the picture of Joseph, I'm sure you know, we read the story in five minutes. It didn't happen in five minutes. Right. He sat in jail, unsure of his future, but still using his gifts. He's still deciphering dreams mm-hmm. from jail. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Those moments were bricks on a foundation that ended in this really crazy position that he ended up in and so I just think there's you know a lot of the the women who listen to this show are I I mean I actually have a pretty crazy diverse listenership so they can be kind of hard to nail down for me sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) it is a it's a lot of moms and it's a lot of singles Mm. there's a lot of normal ordinary days to be found in those lives oh yeah a hundred percent but that those days and those moments are you can still be serving a seasonal purpose that moves you and is a part of your all-weather purpose, even in those days. Absolutely. Okay, so one of the questions that I get all the time is, how do I keep up with the news without buying into a place that has severe political leans? And I want to answer that question by telling you about The Pour Over. It's a weekly email that keeps Christians informed about current events while focusing on Christ. So they drop a news summary into your inbox three times a week with reminders and verses to keep you focused on eternity, not the chaos in D.C. or Wall Street, but while updating you on current events. They're not conservative. They're not liberal. They are just Christian. And as someone personally who wants to stay up to date on current events, but maybe not feel depressed or overwhelmed, I have found the pour over to be a great addition to my inbox. And honestly, I'm super picky about who I let in my inbox. So you can sign up for their newsletter for free by heading to thepourover.org. And you can start finding out what is going on in the world without feeling crazy. Okay, you guys know I'm always recommending books to you. It's kind of my job. And as much as I love sitting down and actually reading a book, that hardly ever happens. Instead, I listen to them on Audible when I'm in the car, when I'm doing dishes, sometimes even when I'm working out. Right now, I'm listening to A Mind of Your Own by Kelly Brogan. Definitely put that one on your list. But the way Audible works is you pay $15 a month. You get one credit that you can use on a book. And if you don't use that credit, it rolls over to the next month for up to a year. So since you're a listener of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash crappy Christian. You can pick your first audiobook for free today. And if you aren't sure what book to start with, I always suggest When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. So just go to audibletrial.com slash crappy Christian to start your free 30 day trial. Okay, let's get back to the show. When I first moved to India, this was right after college. So you know, if you've gone to college, you know that the year after you graduate, if you know what's already lined up for you, you're like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm set, right? And then you have other folks who don't have anything lined up necessarily, and they're just kind of like, 
maybe midlife crisis. Right. So I, <laughs> I graduated, I moved to India and I looked back at my peers who were, you know, who got these jobs, who were getting married, who were buying their first houses. I mean, they looked like they were moving miles and miles and miles ahead. And here I was in this country, this new, it was the first time that I'd ever lived in another country. It was the second time that I'd even left the United States. And I was learning Hindi. I was basically like a baby, Mm. right? I was like learning, you know, just like, it just, all my sentences were wrong. There's everything was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm in this country and it's a completely foreign place that I'm in. And I'm looking back at my peers and I'm like, they're miles ahead. Mm. And I, I think to myself, I'm regressing. I'm not doing anything because I'm in this foreign place, basically learning how to speak a language. And I'm just, you know, I'm just moving backwards. And what I had to realize over time was that a lot of our growth in general is not linear, mm. right? It doesn't oh. look like climbing a ladder right? It looks like turning right and turning left and going up hills and going downhill. It's not this like ladder to the top. And so while I was not doing all the things that I saw other women and my other peers doing, I was moving in a different direction. I was moving in the direction that God needed me to move in. Mm-hmm. And it might've been lateral, but you know, that's fine. Some, some seasons you'll move laterally. It's still movement. Amen. And then other seasons you'll move up. Right. And so it's something that I had to continuously remind myself of that just because I perceive somebody moving up a ladder doesn't mean that I'm also not moving. We're all moving. That well, and that's their ladder. Yeah. That's their ladder that they're supposed to move up and down. My ladder may go side to side for a while. And yeah. I want to be on my ladder, not theirs. Right, we're exactly. killing the analogy game in this conversation. We Can are. I just say? Oh my goodness. It's yes, so we good. Are. <laughs> so speaking of somebody else's ladder and, and moving in direction, the other part of your book that I pulled out is, is chapter five, when they can't stay. And it's talking yeah. about circumstances changing and, and discovering kind of new parts of ourselves that we can tend to grow apart from people even people that we love. So, I mean, hearing your story, I'm sure, I know, I think everybody has experience with that, but how have you dealt with that as your life has changed? I mean, it's hard. Like growing up the way that I've grown up and I, I consider myself a people pleaser. I grew up in Minnesota. I was often the only black girl in Mm -hmm. class. And I, I learned how to become you know, transient, as I've mentioned, I was able to move in between certain circles, which meant that I was able then to relate to different people, which meant that everybody, for the most part, either liked me or had a neutral opinion, but nobody really hated me. Yeah. Right. Or they didn't like me for whatever reason. And so I kind of moved through life being the girl who was either liked or like people were just like, I don't really have an opinion or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But the moment that, you know, I grew apart from people, And obviously the first time that this happened wasn't when I sold my company, but because my business had as much success as it had, I was connected to a lot of really interesting people. Mm -hmm. And when I sold the business, a lot of those interesting people also left. Mm -hmm. They went away, including some that I had gotten really close to. And so it was a challenge for me 
because I realized that in the process of starting over and in the process of changing, as God is changing our perspective and and changing our circumstance and our surrounding, how can we be around the same people? Mm. Mm. You know, I was so hurt. I was so hurt when my close kind of friend group, we all kind of dispersed or they dispersed from me. And so I'm looking on the sidelines like, hey, that's the birthday party I'm supposed to be at. Mm. Or that's the wedding that we were all supposed to go to together. And here I am sitting on my couch, like, you know, looking at scrolling through Instagram and looking at all these, all these photos of these, you know, women having the best times of their lives. You know, they're having their kids and I'm supposed to be there and talking. There are all of these feelings and all of these emotions. And in the book I talk about Rahab, I think Rahab doesn't get as much credit as mm-hmm. she deserves. She was a prostitute and she was responsible for hiding uh, the spies in Jericho. And in the end, she made those spies promise that when they destroyed Jericho, that her family would be spared. Mm -hmm. And she displayed an incredible amount of faith. And when the walls were destroyed and everything in Jericho was like given up to destruction, she was safe. Her and her family were safe. But then they were placed outside of the camp of Israel. So you have this camp of Israel that you think that you're a part of, right? Like this group that you think you're a part of, but you're, you're on the outside of the camp. And I use that story to think about when we get close to our promise, right? When we're like almost there, we can see it, but we're not quite there yet. It's probably happening when we're moving, you know, in from one season to the next season, but we're outside of that promise. And I can only imagine that Rahab was like, yo, come on, God, like you destroyed my whole life, my house, my friends. Also, you're welcome. Also, yes. Right. And so you did all of that. You, like, there were grand theatrics, right? And here I am, you've placed me outside of my promise. And in that time, I can only imagine God pruning, right? This was a woman who lived in a society where prostitution and idol worship was like the thing of the day. But God had to prune some things, I'm sure, out of Rahab, out of her family before, before he could merge them with his people, with Israel right? There was some cleaning up that had to be done. And so when I think about when they can't stay in that whole chapter, as we're moving away from the people that we love and those that we've grown close to over the years, there is a period of time where I believe God is pruning us. He's kind of molding us for where he wants to take us so that when we are ready, we're able to kind of merge into, into this promise. Mm-hmm. So what happened with Rahab is after she was placed outside of the camp, she ended up walking with Israel for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. And she ended up being an ancestress to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think about that story a lot because a, a lot of times when we are you know, separated from our friends, the people that we've experienced so many powerful moments with, it feels like something is wrong with us. It's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But the hope that I have had is that God will place me with a camp that I can walk with for the rest of my life. And that's beautiful. So if I got to stay outside of this camp for now, 
Mm. You know, as God is pruning and removing things from me before he then places me in this promise, so be it. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to walk with those people for the rest of my life. And so that's the hope that I have. And uh, I loved writing this chapter. I I started it with my time in my uh, family village in Nigeria. Mm. And I, I just, I felt like this was a chapter that I desperately needed when I, you know, separated from the friends that I had known all that time. So you just preached to me. <laughs> You're welcome, the rest of you, for getting to listen. But she was talking to me because when you said prune, I had to mute my mic because I audibly. Oh, gasped. I was oh, like, oh gosh, <gasps> because I don't think we talk about this enough about that friendships and seasons end and circumstances change. And sometimes it's because everybody was a jerk and things fall apart. But first of all, if we think that God can't use all of us being a jerk for his own good, we've missed the whole point. Oh my goodness. Totally. But then also sometimes God has to rip things out of our hands. Yeah. Pruning is not pretty. Like actually agriculturally pruning a tree it's not pretty it's cutting and it's ripping and it's removing and that is what pruning is and I think the same goes for our lives and I think if we think pruning is gonna just be this really tidy and painless thing we are in for quite the surprise absolutely because I've never had God take anything, friendship, circumstance, business, whatever. I don't think I've ever had him take anything out of my life that I just sat back and went, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's like we're, it's like we're always fighting. Right. Because it, it hurts. We're fighting. We're all, but the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Blake. God is a God of trades. Mm-hmm. Right? So what he takes, he will give. Amen. Now... What he gives us, we might not want in that moment, right? Because it's like, okay, God, you like took my best friend. Like we, you know, we grew apart and this is the thing that you, that I no longer have. And we don't see it again. This is back to the seeing the, not seeing the forest through the tree. The analogy. (laughs) That analogy. That analogy. It goes back to that because we don't see it. It's like, I don't know if you've seen this meme on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, where it's like Jesus has a teddy bear behind his back uh-huh. and there is a kid in front of him that's like holding this busted teddy bear or whatever he's holding and God has this brand new teddy bear and because this kid doesn't want to give up his old raggedy raggedy and uh teddy bear this kid is not going to see this like brand new thing that God has to give give him and I think mm-hmm. that we're oftentimes we're a lot like that I completely agree because we can't see it yeah I want to be able to see it I want to put my hands on it I want to know it's real before I give you what I know I've got right exactly and that is an intense amount of spiritual maturity that is required to kind of live your life open-handed I have a much smaller experience of sell or I didn't even sell it closing a business that I had built from the ground up that I was really proud of that was taking me away from my family every weekend Mm -hmm. and God asked me to let go of it and it took me a hot minute, but I eventually (laughs) did. And 
for me, it was letting go of this and grappling with the lie that now I'm not going to have anything that's mine. Mm. And now my whole identity is going to be wife and mom and butt wiper and never, you know, if I have to close this down, then he's never going to let me have another business again. But if I hadn't let go of that business four years ago, I wouldn't be sitting here having a really incredible conversation with you or, you know, connecting with people or, or writing books or whatever. And so this is so much better yeah. than what the thing that I built from the ground up four years ago. And that's not to toot my own horn, like, look how well I trusted oh, God yeah, because yeah. I fought him on it. Right. But, you know, there are natural rewards to our obedience. Absolutely. And I love that image of Rahab. And you said when we're so close to our promise that I can see it and I can smell it and it's right there. It can, you said you were like, it can be a little bit of like, God, what the, what are we, what are we yeah, doing here? Right? Like, you know? what, come on, come on, God. Like you, you just, you got me out here. You got me on the sidelines. I can see the touchdown. It, They're making it's the It's right there. It's right there. Can I right. go ahead? And we, <laughs> and we try and go ahead and we try and go ahead of God, but God has a process yes. and God is a God of order. And so if God is a God of order, there is always an order to whatever it is that we're going through. And so when we try to rush ahead of God, we only end up doing ourselves more harm. If we're trying to force ourselves into a room that God will place us in like four years from, from that moment, like, think about it. Yeah. God has this room. He has this table prepared for you and he's setting the table. He's making sure the chair is perfect, nice and fluffy. He's doing all of these things. And here you go, breaking into the room <laughs> with your hair half done. Bull in a child. Right? Like you just like... got a child in one arm, a car seat in the other. You just a hot mess. And you're, you know, yep. you're busting into this room. You're not even ready. God Mm-mm. said, this is a black tie event. And you came in mm-hmm. with a, you know, you just came in however you came in. You rushed ahead of God. God was preparing a table for you. Mm-hmm. And he was preparing you for that table. Exactly both of those things at the same time. But then here we are trying to rush ahead because we want to sit at the table on our own time. Like we want to know, okay, I I was able to do this. Like because of my grit and Mm -hmm. hard work, I was able to get into this room and do all of these things. But no, you forced your hand. Mm -hmm. And the blessings that God had for you, he may allow it in that moment. He -hmm. may withhold it in that moment. He only knows those things, but I think it speaks to this idea of really sitting in whatever it is that God has at the moment and sitting and being in that space is okay. That's a part of the process in and of itself. Will you rush ahead of God or will you stay here and trust me? Absolutely. Well, and I think conversely, I know for me, I have a tendency to hold on to things that God's asking me to let go of. Yes. So, I mean, I can be the bull in the china shop busting up in a room that he's going to put me in later, but I am yeah. also the kid in the meme with the raggedy Ann bear <laughs> right. not wanting to let it go because yeah. it hurts or because I don't trust him or because I've had this for a really long time Yeah. or because I'm worried what people are going to think that I'm letting go of what I know I've got. And so... Right. It is such an image of, and really boils down to, do you trust God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you trust and, him? And when we, when we think about it, 
a lot of times we say we we trust God. We pay lip service and say, yes, God, I trust you. But then God does something and you're like, is it okay? Am I good? Mm-hmm. Am I not? Am I like, it's, it's constant questioning, which is, I believe a part of our nature, right? There was an analogy that somebody had mentioned that I think I listened to or watched not too long ago, but it was like, okay, you are on a plane. You have a pilot. Do you go up to that pilot and ask the pilot every five seconds, what happened with the turbulence? Why did Mm -hmm. you make this left turn here? Why did you like roll the plane a little bit? So then how much more of God as our driver, as our lead, as the owner of our own lives, does he know what he's doing when it comes to us? Amen. Amen. You are the analogy queen. Can we just... (laughs) Can Take we just say that for a second? It does. <laughs> it does. You know, respect acknowledges respect. But That's right. so uh, to close us out, I obviously am obsessed with Dare to Bloom and can't wait oh. to get my hands on it. When you think about somebody reading this book, what ultimately do you want them to walk away knowing? I want them to walk away knowing that no matter the circumstance. There's going to be lots of times that we're going to start over. We will be starting over many, 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 many times. There's a chapter in the book called Fresh Oil. And Mm -hmm. the concept of fresh oil is that if you're not, if you're not being continuously poured over with these challenges, with these trials to test your faith, then your faith will get stale. Right. And so Mm -hmm. there's these constant challenges that have to come. But if we know where our identity actually lies, then our foundation is unshakable. So yeah, so-and-so mm-hmm. may leave or, you know, whoever this, you know, this job may, may go away, but I know whose I am and I know that God has my back. If nobody else has my back, God has my back. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we are just passing through. Mm-hmm. We are passing yeah. through here. We are citizens of another place. Amen. And I want women who pick up this book to walk away from it, knowing that their identity has always been safe with God. It will never change. It is unshakable. It is unfailable. I think I made that word up, but I like it. (laughs) It is your, our identity truly is safe with God. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, he's got us. He's got our back. He's got our front. Our identity is never at risk. Mm-hmm. And it's the one thing when we think about who we are in this world, it's the one thing that I believe the devil tries to attack the most, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you, Because you've sinned or because you've fallen in this way, you, you, you can't be God's. He mm-hmm. doesn't love you that much mm-hmm. or whatever these lies that we continue to tell ourselves. And if we know this truth, we know that God has given us power to overcome the devil. He's given us power to overcome the enemy. And I think a really great tool and reminder that our identity is always safe. Amen. And that is why you need to get a copy of Dare to Bloom and let her just yes! preach into your oh, life. Gosh. <laughs> through a book the way that she has for the last 45 minutes because oh my goodness so good Sam thank you so 
much for taking the time of to course. share your heart and have this conversation because it was super life-giving for me. So I know it was for everybody else. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.